right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. It's now Friday, April 3rd, and it's, I believe it's 2.30 a.m. on Friday, April 3rd. This is the Ion College Basketball Podcast, perhaps the latest edition ever of the Ion College Basketball uh, Podcast, and it's a smoky edition of the Ion College Basketball <laughs> Podcast because we've been at a cigar, cigar bar all night long. Matt Norlander and Sam Vecini have joined me. I'm sure you guys, do you still stink, like, like smell like smoke? Oh, absolutely. And this is so bizarre because we've been together all night and then we tried to record from your room. You brought up your computer and you don't have GarageBand. So now Sam and I are snugging, which we were going to do, GP. But now it's Sam in my room. And uh, so it's, uh, it's, an interesting po- it's an interesting podcast because you're just one hotel one block away. But uh, I- I'm loving the podcast after dark here. I just want to go to sleep. So let's get through this as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, the options, honestly, were wake up really early in the morning and do this or just knock it out tonight. And I don't think any of us want to wake up really early uh, because we're all celebrating uh, not shock is smart going to Texas necessarily because that would be rude to VCU fans, uh, but just celebrating the end of the Texas coaching search. That's really the way most of us think. We just want these things to be over as quickly as possible. So shock in many ways uh, ruined our, our Friday nights or at least delayed our uh, festivities of our Friday night. I was literally sitting at a table at Harry and Izzy's in downtown Indy with my phone on the table in front of me a filet mignon in the middle, and then um, my computer, like, on the table. Like, I'm there with all – it's a, it's a CBS, CBS uh, Sports Network dinner. So I've just got all this stuff out in front of me, and I think we had to deal with that until about 11 p.m. tonight. I think that's basically when it all wrapped up. Um, but the news, of course, if you haven't heard, and I don't know how you could possibly be listening to a college basketball podcast and not have heard, um, Shaka Smart did take the job at Texas. Norlander, are you surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised by that. I am a little surprised that, you know, so we're recording this and uh, Greg is staying at Wichita. So I'm surprised that Texas did not really gauge interest in Greg and have any sort of even informal contact with him. Um, But listen, we've said that it was, you know, Shaka and Greg were the guys that it was going to come down to. And ultimately it was Shaka and not surprised he took it. Um, this was definitely an interesting night because we were, you know, many a reporter here in India was just waiting for this to happen and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it finally did. Um, I do like it for him. Um, I'm not saying it's a smash home run higher. I don't see him necessarily failing there. I think he'll have to switch up some of his recruiting philosophies and some of his coaching philosophies because I don't think that he can run the system that he wants to run or has run at VCU with five-star guys because I just don't think that's going to be attractive to most of them. But uh, it's interesting. Texas gets a huge change of pace from a coaching perspective. Shock is very different from Rick. So, um, hey, uh, you know, Texas is always kind of an interesting team, so to speak. But now it gets a new jolt with Shaka, and uh, I like the hire, and and so a new era begins in Austin. You said you don't know if his system will work with five-star recruits. Why? Um, Because Shaka, and Sam can speak to this a little bit too, because from what I gather, Shaka really has thrived off of, and he has gotten top 100 guys, and don't get me wrong there, but he has definitely thrived off of getting guys with a chip on their shoulder, might have been overlooked at programs they would have initially thought they would have rather wanted to play at. Instead, he gets them into VCU, gets them to buy in, play the Havoc style, really just give their guts for the program. And generally speaking, if you're going to bring in five-star guys, I just, I, I'm not seeing... 
you know, Miles Turner wanting to play a Havoc kind of style of of defense. Could be wrong. I think he'll still still stay with that largely, but I think he he's going to have to certainly uh, brush up, you know, how he's going to sell the program and and what he might keep and what he might not. Well, See, here's, yeah, here's my ahead. thing on this one. Um, he might not get a Miles Turner, but what if he would get a Justice Winslow who would fit perfectly there, who is from Houston, uh, would have really been a really great fit with the Havoc style. So it, it's really interesting to me. It's going to be a lot of this hire is going to depend on the style of play for me because we don't know if Chuck Quinn playing a traditional style of basketball. Um, he, he's clearly been very successful with Havoc, and I think there's something to what Matt was saying. I'll say that. Uh, I talked to Mike Dunlap earlier this year, who's now the coach at Loyola Marymount, he used to be the coach of the Charlotte Bobcats, and he said he really struggled uh, whenever he wanted to implement like a high-tempo, high-pressure system with the Bobcats. Uh, he said that there was a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of pushback, we'll say, from the players uh, and from the people around the players. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if these five star guys do do it. But you know, there there are enough guys in Texas to where I think Shaka could find a way, and eventually he will get those five star guys that probably will be able to uh, carry the program. Yep. And I think that I think it's a good hire. I think it's uh, gonna be he's gonna be successful. I think. Um, I, I, like I said, or like Matt said, I would not grade it as a home run, but it's a good hire. I think. Well, I, I think we should be clear. He wasn't the first choice. You know, like at least. Yeah. You know, I guess my point is, if they could have hired Tony Bennett. They would have hired Tony Bennett. If they could have hired Jay Wright or Brad Stevens, they would have hired Jay Wright or Brad Stevens. They poked around those spots first and then I think settled on, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way, but settled on um, a guy they knew that would take the job. And I think it may be dragged on a little longer than they'd hoped, like late into Thursday night. But uh, ultimately, I think they knew if they wanted Shaka, they could get Shaka. And, you know, because he had. I think made it clear to people in basketball that this is the type of job he would leave for. And so it really just came down to at the end, you know, whether he'd get spooked by Steve Patterson, the athletic director. And obviously he, he got to a point to where he was comfortable enough with Steve or more likely he got to a point where he didn't care. It's like, I'm going to take the Texas job period. If I turn down Texas at $3 million a year, what am I waiting on? And so Ultimately, it was time to go, and, and so he went. I, I guess the only thing I would say that runs counter to what you guys have – I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to get five-star guys. Like, I don't think it's a situation of, um, you know, maybe one day he'll start to get the five – like, he's going to – I think he's going to kill it in recruiting right from the start. Like, there are five top 50 kids in 2015 from the state of Texas. I looked the other day. I don't know what 2016 looks like, but if 2016 is a strong class within the state, I think he'll kill it. I I don't think he's going to have a problem getting players because he's a celebrity, he's a brand, and almost re, regardless of the style of play, I, I think he's going to be able to get players. Then it comes down to what what style does he want to play. I don't think he's as married to Havoc, the style, as he was married to the brand. Like He got a lot of mileage out of the brand of Havoc. Sure. And mm-hmm. so they're still going to call whatever they do Havoc, I'm certain. Um, but I don't know that you'll see it implemented uh, consistently, just like John Calipari, like still talks about dribble drive. They don't really run dribble drive, 
And even with the John Wall, Eric Bledsoe team, they didn't really run dribble drive. They didn't do it hardly at all with the 2012 team. So John Calipari still sort of marketed that dribble drive offense, but didn't really use it too often and, and doesn't use it too often now. And so I think that'll be the thing with Shaq. I think the reason he played the way he played at VCU is because that was the best way to maybe make up for a talent gap. At Texas, you don't have to make up for a talent gap. You should be able to have the most talented, you know, with the exception of Kansas, maybe. You should, year in and year out, have the most talented roster in the league based on you're the University of Texas and the natural recruiting base. One of the reasons Rick Barnes is no longer the coach there, if you go look, with the exception of Miles Turner, really, if you go look at recent in-state recruits, the overwhelming majority picked something other than Texas, and that was a problem for Rick. You're never going to get everybody, but you don't need to get everybody. Uh, and I think whether or not he'll he'll like win national championships and go to Final Fours, we'll see. But I think he'll sign players. He's going to get players at Texas. Then it's just going to come down to you know whether he can kill it with those guys. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see. I think he will get five star. Uh, I will say, you know, in talking to some coaches, they they do wonder how successful he will be getting five star, and if he's if he's going to have to f- tweak some of what he does, um, I don't know. We'll see. I do feel like w- uh, we should at least just talk Marshall for a real quick second before we get to the games because GP on the last podcast, you asked me you asked me if I thought he would go, and I said, yeah, I thought he was gone because uh, I thought Bama was going to outprice Wichita State. and They did. Gonna- they did outprice Wichita State. Right. Um, but I thought they would I, – I guess I didn't think Wichita State was going to come at him $3.3 <laughs> no, million uh, on average over a seven-year span, but he stays – um and i mean great for him great for the program uh alabama now is is left to kind of continue to search will be richard patino we'll see but as for marshall uh obviously a huge victory for that program he's making 3.3 and there are coaches in that league making two hundred thousand dollars a year it's a it's a massive gap um and he's he's the he's the king of the league so um you know, I'm sure Shockers fans were kind of just like praying for this to happen, thinking that it was unlikely, but they didn't, you know, he didn't get a call from Texas and uh, Wichita State made it so good, so good of an offer that if you've kind of proven that you can win there and you still believe that you've got a shot, I mean, we'll see if they can get some more Van Vliet or Ron Bakers, but uh, I certainly don't fault him for not leaving in a place where he's proven that he can win and because of who he is, you know, he he believes that he can get that program to another two or three Final Fours. Well, Let's be clear, Greg, I, th- I believe, I don't think Greg would ever say this, I'm just telling you what I think, I think if Texas wanted him, he'd be the Texas coach as well. And even if Wichita put together a package that was at $3.3 million, which is what they did on average, I think he would have taken less money to go to Texas. Like, I think that's the type of job he wanted. And um, not only were you and I and, and basically everybody in basketball surprised when Texas didn't even reach out. I think Greg was surprised when Texas didn't even reach out. So then he wasn't picking between what we thought he would be picking between, which is maybe Texas and Wichita. He, right. was, he was ultimately picking between Alabama and Wichita. And though Alabama was willing to go, I'm told, up to around $4 million a year, um, ultimately, you know, this is what I was told. When Bill Battle came in on Monday, and there was also somebody else from like the board of trustees. There, it wasn't. I think the way it's been reported is that it was just Bill, but it wasn't. It, there was somebody else connected to the university who went to Wichita and sat down with Greg and and his wife, and and they really talked it through. 
And though he was impressed, I'm told, and appreciative and flattered, I don't think he was blown away. And it might just be me projecting a little bit, but I think you don't have to talk yourself into the Texas job, you know, in a in a week span, because you know, most of these guys who got into this profession, they've been talking themselves into a job like the Texas job forever. So it's not something like you gotta well, I don't know. Like, you know, that's the job I want, and that's ultimately how Shaka ended up taking it. Um, the Alabama job is not the type of job he ever thought he would end up with from Wichita. He, I think Greg has always thought it'll be Texas or Indiana or North Carolina or, you know, an A-level job. And so I think when the people at Alabama sit down with you like that, they have to blow you away. Like, your first impression of that has to be, oh, wow, I never thought I would do this, but... How am I going to turn this down now? It's like the way they framed it is awesome. And so while, while I think he was flattered and appreciate and all that stuff, I didn't get the sense from talking to people around that situation that he was blown away. And so when he wasn't immediately blown away, Alabama was fighting an uphill battle. And, and you know, I, I think he left it, the door open a little bit while Wichita put together whatever Wichita was trying to put together. And ultimately, when they put together the package, they did. I mean, on average, three point three million. It's like, why would I leave here? You know, I even if he doesn't get another Van Vliet and Baker, he's now put it. You know, put himself in a position where they can recruit higher than the rest of the valley. Like they, they'll never get top twenty-five guys there, but they can get a recruit. And Sam, you could speak to this better than I, maybe. But they can recruit a level above everybody else in the NBC. And I, it's, this is not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but it's a little bit like the way Gonzaga has gotten to a point where it can recruit, not heads up with Kentucky and Kansas and those types of schools, but they can recruit an entire level or maybe two levels above everybody else in the West Coast Conference. So what does that mean? It means you're winning between 28 and 35 games every year. You're in the NCAA tournament every year. And then, you know, every once in a while, just law of averages type stuff, you're going to pop into the Sweet 16, pop into the Elite Eight, whatever. Um, That's where Greg now has Wichita State. He's obviously a terrific coach, and he's also got it to a point where he can recruit a student athlete, a basketball player, that's a little, like a level above literally everybody else in the league. And so when you've got, you know, the coaching chops and you've got better players than everybody else year in and year out, well, that's how you turn into what Mark's done at Gonzaga. And I think, though I'm still not certain Greg's going to retire at Wichita, because who knows, um, it makes a lot of sense to stay there, particularly when you're making $3.3 million. Do I have it pegged right? Sam, like, in terms of recruiting, he's, he can recruit at Wichita now a level above the Northern Iowas and the Bradleys and everybody else, right? I think it's a level above, but I wouldn't necessarily call it like – the Gonzaga dominance. No, it's not it, that. No, but you you yeah, can because, you, I mean, took, you can see it. You can see it becoming years, that, right? You know, like like it took Mark Few fifteen years to get to the point where he was going to be able to get the get the Kyle Wilchers and the uh, Byron Wesleys to recruit or to uh, uh, transfer over. You know what I mean? No, I got you. So, but I'm, I'm saying you can envision it getting that like it's headed that direction yeah, as opposed to the other direction. That direction. Right. I, w- I would say that it's definitely headed that direction. That program just has in general, a lot more assets than any other MVC program at this point. Um, I, I want to say that he's getting paid 
3.3 million. The next highest paid coach in the MVC is around like 900,000. Right. Uh, ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa, who just got an extension. So I, I think that kind of puts into perspective, you know, Wichita has the assets to be able to afford four times as much for their coach as any other Missouri Valley team can pay. Right. So I think that, yeah, they're just going to have that general uh, advantage all the time. Plus they have the level of success advantage that Van Vliet and Baker and Clea Early and Greg Marshall brought them. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely trending towards becoming a Gonzaga in that league, but I don't know that I would put them on that level yet. Um, it, it'll be certainly interesting to watch, though. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they ripped off five straight uh, Valley titles. Yeah, something like that. I'm just saying it's tr- it's, it seems to be heading that direction. And when you... If you can convince yourself that that you can become that you can be content with it, you know, making and I know this sounds crazy, be content with making three point three million dollars <laughs> is bananas. But like, if you could be content not being in the ACC or not being in the Pac twelve or something like that, then you've set it up where you've got a better chance um, than almost everybody in the country of of consistently making the NCAA tournament. Like we know Kansas is going to be there every year. Wisconsin's there every year, Duke's there every year in terms of the power conference schools. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the power conference schools, that's like that. I think that's the list. Michigan State, of course. So it's Michigan, the ones that get there without exception. Michigan yeah. State, Kansas, Wisconsin. It used to be Florida, I guess, but like that, you know that. Like even your Florida, Ohio State, Texas. Yeah, they'll miss every once in a while. They'll miss every once in a while. So like, yeah. there's a handful, and then it's like it is like if you can create a gap between you and everybody else in your league, then you've got a really good shot to just get there every year. Gonzaga has done it, and Wichita, at least, like that gap between coaching salaries, the Greg Marshall salary, and the next highest paid coach in the MVC, I don't think there's a larger gap in the rest of college basketball. No way. No I way. I envision that that's right. Yeah, like, oh, like you, well, Calipari makes seven or eight or whatever he makes. Yeah, well, Billy makes four. You know, yeah. so like, you know, the, the gap isn't, I mean, the gap between Greg and and everybody else in the NBC is is and and the and you know keep in mind Wichita charters everything, like the when you, whenever you can get one of those jobs, I still understand the appeal of being at a Power Five football school, but um, he's got a pretty nice setup, and so yeah, it's a it's been an awesome week for Wichita State fans, and and obviously disappointing week for VCU fans, although. Uh, Briante Weber tweeted earlier tonight. Did you see this? The Briante tweet? Yeah. 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 He said, um, you know, for people who didn't see it, uh, basically, if you're, you know, if you're mad at coach, um, you're selfish, you should be telling him thank you. And now keep in mind, he's somebody who had no eligibility left, so he won't be affected by this the way some of the younger guys will. But I've always thought that was a mature, um, a mature response. And even Fred Van Vliet, you know, when it looked like Marshall might go, like Fred told me, if he leaves, I understand. Like he's a fan, he has a family, and I get it. I hope he stays, and it'll take something really crazy to get him to leave. But if he were to leave, we understand. And anytime a student athlete can have that kind of perspective, I think it's uh, pretty impressive. So um, anyway, Shaka Smart to Texas and Greg Marshall remaining at Wichita State, and the coaching carousel is basically. Uh, done now, except for Arizona State, which seems like it's going to be Jeff Capel. Alabama, which seems all over the place right now, 
And then, of course, VCU is open as well. And so sort of like the, the, the biggest hires are behind us up until, of course, Billy Donovan goes to the NBA, Fred Hoiberg, yeah. <laughs> Hoiberg goes to the NBA, and then we'll be doing this all over again. We do have uh, basketball games going on this weekend. Um, it is the Final Four on Saturday. Michigan State Duke followed by Kentucky, Wisconsin. First media availability was earlier today. Anything interesting come out of that, Norlander? Um, Thursday media day is usually kind of kind of brutal. Um, well, Emmert always speaks on the Thursday, and you wrote uh, to what he spoke of. Uh, Team-wise, it was fine. Um, Calipari was typical Calipari. Uh, you know, <laughs> a little oddly defensive. Uh, I think he was just kind of ready for the massive media onslaught. I mean, these coaches step out onto the dais and it's, you know, 100 to 200 media, depending on who's out there. And you just, you know, it's a big crowd. You, you don't face a crowd this big in, in, unless you make a Final Four. Um, but him and Bo were just cracking up at each other. Um, so it was kind of interesting. Overall, there wasn't too much. Um, we'll get more on Friday. All the players available. Uh, coaches are available for longer periods of time. Um, and really, everyone kind of will descend upon in Indianapolis. Uh, I, I'm super intrigued for the games, though. Um, I, I really cannot wait for that Kentucky-Wisconsin game. I mean, I wrote my piece today was basically pointing out that Kentucky is better with the ball than uh, I mean, Wisconsin is better with the ball than Kentucky is without it. Uh, their offense is just so good that we really need to be giving them a little more credence to being able to beat Kentucky, especially when you consider that UK just just nudged past Notre Dame, and they were able to do that because they were able to shut down Notre Dame from scoring in the final two and a half minutes. And to expect Wisconsin to go through any sort of period where they don't score for two and a half minutes, I think that's uh, asking way too much. So um, obviously Kentucky is the rightful favorite, should be the presumed winner, but I I'm I'm slowly talking myself into Kentucky winning or losing this game in Wisconsin, edging it out. But either way, it should be a fantastic one. And uh, and and Duke, Michigan State. I mean, Sam can kind of hit more of this um, if he wants. But I, I hope it's a it's an interesting one. Um, we did speak to one coach we saw tonight out at a bar, and he said, "Listen, I, I don't see how." Uh, Izzo is going to double Okafor because it'll just be a pride thing. Uh, and if they choose not to double Okafor um, and they don't get the fouls going their way, it could get ugly for Michigan State in a hurry. I think it will be an up-and-down high-scoring game. But uh, but I'm getting pumped, man. We're, get, we're getting closer, and uh, tomorrow should be a lot of fun too. Let me ask you this because I, I was thinking about this earlier today. Would you be more surprised if Duke lost Saturday or if Kentucky lost Saturday? Duke. I would too, right? Kentucky's the overwhelming favorite of this whole thing, and yet I would be more surprised to have a championship game that doesn't feature Duke than I would be one that doesn't feature Kentucky, which is obviously, you know, says more about who the opponents are than anything else. I, I don't think it's crazy that Wisconsin could beat Kentucky. I don't think Wisconsin will. I mean, keep in mind it's just a prediction. Like people, sometimes people call you smart or dumb based on whether or not you pick a game correctly. Which I think is pretty like silly. So I have no idea. I, I I'll pick Kentucky just because like why wouldn't you at this point? Um, but I don't think like I think it would have been crazy if Cincinnati would have beaten Kentucky, or crazy if um, you know basically any SEC team beat Kentucky. I don't think it's crazy if Wisconsin beats Kentucky. Like nothing crazy has to happen there. Like Wisconsin can play well and win the game. Whereas I just don't see Duke losing. 
with all due respect to Tom, and he's terrific and so on and so forth, I just don't see Duke losing to that Michigan State team. But I could envision a, a very reasonable scenario uh, where Wisconsin beats Kentucky. Sam, where are you at on that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would be more surprised if Michigan State beat Duke, I guess. Right. Um, you know, we, we talked to that coach, uh, both Matt and I, and he, he mentioned that he thinks that the key to the game is going to be the way the game is called foul-wise. And then I, I also mentioned that I felt that it's going to depend on how Quinn Cook defends Travis Trice. If he can keep Trice out of the lane, uh, because he's been great in this NCAA tournament of uh, you know keeping these opposing guards out of the lane and lessening the burden on the rest of the Duke defense. And that's why their defense has improved so much to this point. Uh, so if he can keep Trice out of the lane, I don't see any way that Michigan State can win this game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if Jaleel Okafor can get what he wants too, that's going to be a major problem for a Michigan state as well as far. But when you look at the other game, you know, there, there are a lot of ways that I can see Wisconsin winning that game. You know, Josh Gosser is one of the better perimeter defenders in the country. If he can slow down Andrew Harrison from getting to the foul line, that's going to be a major problem for Kentucky's offense. Um, the thing I'm most interested in, in this game is the way that, I guess Kentucky tries to match up in the front court against Wisconsin because I don't think you can put Towns on Kaminsky. If you put Towns on Kaminsky early on, what's going to happen is there's going to ISO Frank at the top of the key and he's going to commit fouls. Like Towns is, he's one of the more foul prone players in the country despite all of his greatness. He, commits a lot of fouls. I, I don't see any way that he stays out of foul trouble in that circumstance. So I think you're going to have to put Willie Cauley-Stein on uh, Kaminsky in that scenario, which is going to lead to Hayes having a massive size disadvantage against Towns and then Decker having a massive strength disadvantage against Lyles, which is not ideal, obviously. So I, I don't really know what way they can match up against Kentucky and make it work. Who would you take? Tyus Jones, Jalo Okafor, Justice Winslow, Quinn Cook, or Kentucky's top four? I would take the former. The four Duke guys. Because Tyus is the best point guard in the final four. Okafor is the best offensive big. He's not the best overall big. Um, Winslow is the second best defender in the final four. Uh, and Quinn Cook is a freaking senior that bangs home shots. Like that's why Duke I mean Duke can they can win this thing, man. They really can. Um, oh I think they absolutely can. That's, that's a really that's a really good uh, that's a really good question you just popped Like we talk back. we talk about Kentucky's roster and how awesome and it is. It's an awesome roster. But if you're t- like if you sort of take the approach of hey you can only put five on the court at a time um, like I think you can reasonably argue Duke's top five, certainly their top three or four, but maybe even their top five, their best five, their best lineup might be, you know, more talented. So, than, so your four for Kentucky would be Towns. I mean, that's Tony the thing. Stein, Those two for sure. Then we can argue about the other two. And then I, I would probably go Lyles Booker. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe, maybe you want to put Harrison in. Or, oh, yeah, whatever. And, I think I would take Duke's top four. The problem becomes, if we get to that on Monday night, is that if then Okafor gets too 
quick fouls, yeah, they're screwed. Whereas, if, like, if Kali Stein gets two quick fouls, like, it's it's not ideal, but like they can get by. If if Carl, you know, Anthony Towns gets two fouls, it's not ideal. They can get by. Like, you know, Kentucky doesn't have to worry about foul trouble really. Whereas Duke could be destroyed in a forty-minute basketball game by foul trouble. You mean you don't trust Marshall Plumley to go against <laughs> right. Carl Towns? Right. <laughs> oh boy, that'll be brutal. Hey, listen, I, and I wanted to mention just like it is uh, Kentucky, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the best offensive team in the history of, of Ken Palm's charting right now, and Kentucky rates as tied for the second best defensive team. Actually, Wisconsin's team from two years ago defensively rates the same as Kentucky this year. Um, so to get that kind of matchup in a Final Four uh, is something that's really special, and I'm I'm hoping that we get a really. I don't I don't see how we don't get a fantastic game there. Maybe it won't be super close. Maybe in the final two minutes, Kentucky pulls away or whatnot, but. Um, they're they're diametrically opposed teams in a lot of ways, and and saying that I'm acknowledging that you know Kentucky on offense is going to get some of what it wants against a Wisconsin defense that is certainly not at a level that Bo would be totally satisfied with. But um, with how good they are on offense, it's you know kind of a sacrifice you got to be willing to make. So I'm super intrigued by it, um, and uh, what you know. I, the 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 switches the rotations we might get from Kentucky on defense and who who they look look uh, and face up with with Wisconsin I think is going to be dude I, I'm I'm just geeked up for this game I think it's so fascinating uh, because I think I'm expecting I'm definitely expecting wrinkles from Bo I was talking to a former Michigan player actually on my plane ride in and he said you know he has not been running a lot of the swing stuff that he's really been known for they haven't tossed a lot of in of that into uh, their play as of late. And he's like, I wouldn't be shocked if he gave Kentucky some weird looks in the first half to kind of throw them. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, so Friday we have the open practices at Lucas Oil. That'll be terrific, or at least it'll be something. Kentucky fans should, like, you know, It'll be something. Right? That's the right answer. Well, yeah, no, I, I said terrific. I think I was just talking, and um, and then I realized, you know, it probably won't be terrific. It's just open <laughs> practice, so it'll be something. That's a, a more accurate way to put it. And then, of course, uh, the game's on Saturday night. First, Michigan State-Duke, and then Kentucky-Wisconsin-Norlander. Before we go, do you want to brag about hanging out with Condoleezza Rice at the bar? Yo, so this was before Sam got in. We go to St. Elmo uh, for some – I'd never been for the you know, their famous shrimp cocktail that just, just punches By you. By the way, the I, had a, I had another one tonight. I've I'm been in Indianapolis two nights. I've had the shrimp cocktail t- two nights in a row. Wait, so you, you hit up St. Elmo again? No, we went to Harry and Izzy's right okay, next door, yeah, owned right. by the oh, same people. How was, how was, so it was the same shrimp cocktail? Same shrimp cocktail, yes. Ah, oh, man. Um, but yeah, we're walking in, and so it's like kind of a squeeze by the bar to get to the back area, and as we're going, uh, like I literally, literally rub shoulders with Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> it's and so like, weird. Like, it was like, whoa. Like, yeah. it's not weird to be at these things, and like, you bump into Bill Self, or you bump into you know, uh, Billy Donovan or whatever, like some big time future hall of fame basketball coach. You don't really expect to bump into Condi Rice, but like there she was, she was right there. Literally. I was like, what's up Condi? And, uh, <laughs> she didn't respond to me, but it's she cool. Didn't talk um, to but no, it's so funny cause I did literally bump into Bill Self today too as well. Um, but no, yeah, it was, that was like a cool thing. Just, uh, you know, one of the most renowned women in the world, uh, just kind of just leaving St. Elmo. She's doing the same thing we were doing. Uh, seriously, well, not the, not the same thing. And the, and if we want to just bring uh, listeners in just a little bit here, the the Marshall thing broke when we were at dinner. Like so, that oh, yeah. was that got really crazy in a hurry. 
Um, and uh, very fun for two straight nights here in Indy. You had Marshall break at like 10 and waiting on Shaka for like four hours until that finally broke at like 11. So at least, you know, Friday night should be pretty enjoyable without, you know, these hires hanging over us. Yeah, and I don't know why we're hanging out in a cigar bar when I, none of us smoke cigars. Like, what's that about? <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, have you thought about that yet? Have you tried to make sense of it? Because, like, I stink. Like, we all stink. I don't uh, smoke. You it's, know? it's brutal right now. I'm following you two around. I don't know. I don't know what's going on yet. Yeah, but the bar, that bar's a pretty nice, like, I like that bar. No, it's a, it's a it's a great spot. But What's it just, called? Nikki Blaine's? Yeah, Nikki Blaine's. Nikki Blaine's. That's our spot. It's, you feel like you're an episode of The Sopranos when you walk in. Right. It. Yeah. No, I dig you Nikki Blaine's. Sponsor Blaine. podcast. <laughs> I wish I wish that Nikki Blaine's like banned smoking, but I realize it's probably not going to work out because it's a cigar bar. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the whole appeal of it, man. Yeah. God, no, I, it's such a dichotomy. I yeah. enjoy the bar, but I hate the smoke. Yeah, no, I, I dig I dig the vibe. Uh, I dig the coaches that are in there. I dig the stories all off the record. Very entertaining. Oh, stuff. man, we've heard some good stories. Oh, stuff that I wish we could now. share on the podcast but cannot cannot be shared. And now it's 3 in the morning. We have set a record. Um, Sam and I might cuddle. You've got to be on a TV set in like six hours, GP. That's true. Outside, an outside TV set. My gosh. At least, the weather is, at least the weather is okay, mostly. It rained a lot today, though. I know it did. Yeah, but whatever, whatever. I'm just thinking of ways right now where I can walk by Lucas Oil and try to mess with you while you're alive. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it's weird because I got the rundown. Like, it's not weird. It's awesome. I'm so appreciative uh, of these opportunities. But it's like, okay, at 10 a.m., like we have, okay, so we got to be on set at 10 a.m. And I think we go live on CBS Sports Network at noon Eastern. So if you're, if you're, you know, you should watch. Everybody should watch. We'll be, so we have a set outside the stadium and then we have a set inside the stadium. And, like, apparently I'm rotating between sets. So, like, one, one block, like the B block I'm outside with, I think it's me and Seth Davis and John Rothstein and Dana Jacobson maybe. And then I'm inside with Allie LaForce and uh, Adam Zucker. And then I'm, like, back outside. So it, it feels like I, I'll have to see how it goes, but I think I – I think I'm just gonna be walking back and forth from. Dude, you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be on your grind tomorrow, man. I think I'm just walking back and forth to different places all day long. I think that's my job tomorrow. I think I like I start outside and then I walk inside and I'll hang out for a little while and then I'll walk back outside and then I'll walk back inside. So. By the way, just random thing I got to toss in here. So GP mm. goes to dinner at Harry and Izzy's, and Sam and I weren't with them. We 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 slummed it with Rob Doster and Jason King at this other spot. Yeah, I was kicking it with Sean McManus. Yeah, you were. And so uh, and so then we were at this one spot, and I was like, all right, we're leaving here, and we're gonna go over here. And I was like, just text me where you are. GP doesn't text. I turn around, and you're just standing right in front of the place where we are. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess this makes sense. <laughs> so it was just one of those things where like. Somehow we randomly all magically ended up at the same well, spot. Well, no, that, that is the great thing about Indianapolis, um, besides Nikki Blaine's, is um, everything is so com- – like you just walk around and you see everybody. Like it's hard not to bump into people. And then even when you get these random text messages like, um, hey, where are you at? You're, you're probably two blocks away from whoever it is that's looking for you. Um, and not all Final Four cities are like this. Dallas, wonderful city. Terrible Final Four city. Houston, wonderful city. Terrible Final Four city because it's too spread out. Indianapolis, everything is walkable. Like, have you been in a car since you've been here? Uh, nope. And well, I mean, we technically took a taxi real quick tonight to the spot we had to go to. And the the greatest thing here is the steak and shake. 
That steak and shake is is wild. Twenty four hours. I, I saw Ed Cooley in line at like two in the morning tonight. Man, Ed, Ed, like he works so hard. Now you're gonna eat so steak hard. And, Work so hard to like drop that weight and get in shape, and now you're gonna eat steak and shake it no. two in the morning. <laughs> no, hey, Ed earned it. Okay, Ed, Ed absolutely earned it. But there, there are coaches up and down. Like you just, and it's like these big open windows. So you like you're walking by the steak and shake, and there's like twelve coaches. I, Nolan Smith was eating with uh, Tyler Thornton at like midnight no. If steak you ever shake. want to see drunk basketball coaches, oh my god! All you have to do is hang out at the steak and shake in downtown Indy, like. Any night this week, I, I any night, and it's just like guys walking in smashed. Just to, for the know. record, for the record, Ed Cooley is the man, and he was definitely not drunk at the Steak and Shake. So I don't want listeners. Yeah, no, I didn't mean Ed. I, mean, I know. Like other, I meant the other guys. I meant the other guys, of course. I haven't hit the Steak and Shake at all. Hey, man. It's although, big. although I did take a cab last night. I was so tired. Not tonight, like the night our first night here. I took a cab. I just saw a cab, and the idea of walking another step seemed awful, and so I like waved the cab. He was just like sitting there. Are you gonna? Okay, so are you gonna take cabs between sets tomorrow? I might have to. I, I swear, I jumped in the cab, and he was like, "Where are you going?" So I told him the hotel. I think he drove me four hundred feet. <laughs> it was I like I owed the dude like a dollar fifty by the time we got there. It was over, but I I just couldn't I couldn't walk another step. I was dying. As someone who has now taken, uh, I took a red eye from Los Angeles to basically Indianapolis uh, from 12 until 11 today. Uh, yeah, I respect that. Have you not I, slept? You didn't sleep today? Uh, I slept for three hours on the flight, so I'm working on like three hours over the last 41 hours. Yeah, let's go to bed. You want to go to bed? Good night. You want to say good night? Hey, good night and good morning. You know, this sucks because there's like it's 305. There's no way I fall asleep before four. And then I really do have to be up. I hate I can't wait to see you on TV tomorrow. Well, that's very sweet of you. I'll be there. CBS Sports Network, noon Eastern. Go say hi, everyone. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, iTunes, quickest way to get your hands on the latest edition. So go do that, and we will talk to you again. When do you think we'll talk to them again? We'll have we'll have a Monday podcast up at some point. How about this? Why don't we do a Sunday podcast? can probably arrange that. Let's do a Sunday podcast after Saturday semifinals, a special edition. Basically the 60 minutes of the podcast. Okay, <laughs> If you see Connie Rice again, tell her I said what up. GP, you need to go to sleep. I am right now. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.